0: Mr. President, if I may. Yes, please. A short while ago, you told me that you thought I might be the future of the party. Now I know that these are tough times, and uh, the future is uncertain. But I'm very pleased to think that I might be able to help make things a little smoother. The future, yes. Well, um, there is one thing quite certain about the future. What's that, <coughs> sir? You have the right to remain silent. Fred. I have to read him his rights fred the governor he knows his rights you know your rights right jack you don't have to humiliate him (laughs) the girl you know what she was (laughs) what girl the girl in the river jack she was a paralegal. Uh, before that she was military 14 golf we uh we found the money that you put in her account at the bellagio in vegas two hundred thousand dollars and the uh that ad in... Uh, Soldier Mo- of Fortune. Yeah, I, Soldier of I, Fortune. I don't mind confessing. I am at a total loss. Shelley, he paid her to go off the bridge. He paid her to save her. <laughs> Listen, we respect you were trying to make this go as smoothly as I possibly can for you. I know you meant no harm. Who doesn't want a shortcut to greatness?
1: Welcome to the main event. Happy St. Patrick's Day! That uh, that song was the Dropkick Murphys, "The Warrior's Code." I thought a little uh, Irish Irish punk rock would uh, help uh, make this uh, this the St. Patty's Day weekend a little bit more uh, feeling like like it. That movie clip I opened up with was was a movie from The Contender, The Contender, and it's a scene uh, that that touches a few different a couple of different things. Number one is hey, we found the money that you put in the in the uh, in the and in the account at the Bellagio. you know, hey, he, you you he paid her to save her. so uh, if you haven't seen the movie, then stop what you're doing and go watch it. Um, the contender and it's uh, it's a great movie, but they're talking about a guy who uh, wants to bring his name up to the top of the list to become appointed to be vice president. And, uh, so he, he pays this girl to go off the bridge, uh, to drive off the bridge while he's, uh, will be coincidentally just fishing there, uh, where this bridge goes over this, uh, lake and, um, and she'll, uh, and then he'll save her and he'll be a hero and he'll be, he'll be in the, in the top of the headline so that, uh, the president, Jeff Bridges can appoint him as vice president since his vice president passed away. Um... And of course, the other thing, hey, he paid her to he paid her to save her, uh, which we'll all reference later in the movie and later in the show, and also the uh, hey, we saw you put put the money in the Bellagio, so you, hey, we transfer money to the to the uh, to the Bellagio, so you can go there and stay there, and it doesn't look like we paid any money to you, uh, kind of a the definition of money laundering, kind of what we'll be covering next week when we talk about hey, this three million dollars came in from. Uh, from the Chinese government to this uh, corporation that Hunter Biden's a part of, and all this money transferred over to the Biden family, uh, we don't have all the all the details yet, so we'll save that till next week. But uh, I just thought this scene was perfect. So anyway, before I go any further, I'm gonna talk about all the stuff that's going on and some really important stuff to pay attention to. But before I do. Let me introduce myself. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage. If you're interested in getting any, involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, um, and there are fantastic opportunities, even though the rates have gone up. Remember, rates rates going up is, is designed to slow things down. And a lot of home buyers out there are, are sitting on the sidelines. Eh, I'm going to hold off until rates get back, come back down, settle down a little bit. Um, but remember, that takes people out of the competition. So you have less competition bidding on your house. And when you buy a new house, you're married to the house. You're not married to the loan. So then a year from now, when the rates go down, really go down, you're out of it. And, of course, when that happens, the competition for these houses will go up. So instead of paying an extra $100 a month on your on your loan for a year, you pay an extra twenty-five or $50,000 for the house. So uh think about that. Think about when when you're ready to buy a house and it's and the time is right, then uh, then buy your house and don't wait for the rates to come down. You'll refinance when the rates come down. Uh, but if you want but if you want some help with that, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time dear night, toll free area code 855-640-2020. If you want to get in touch with me but you don't want to talk on the phone, uh, you just like to get Get some uh, some advice, but I don't really want to talk on the phone yet. We'll deal with emails. Go to edhoffman.net. Click on the United American Mortgage logo. Uh, that'll take you to my lending page, and you can put in as much information as you want me to have. Tell me how much information you want back. You'll hear from myself or one of my talented teammates. We'll help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. Whether that and uh, if you're interested in in refinancing a piece of property you own or if you're interested in getting information on that reverse mortgage thing everybody's talking about. I realize uh, my demographic is probably a little older so a lot of you guys are uh, my age or or, uh, approaching my age and uh, if you're over 62 or your spouse is over 62 and you got more equity in your house than you. Uh, then you have money. If you have more, more life left in your, more years left in your life than you have money in your bank account, a reverse mortgage can, uh, can help you, uh, help you with that. Um, okay. So if you have a comments on the radio sent comments on my show, send me an email to ed ed at ed Um, I think that's all I need to do. Let's talk about the bank bailout. Let's talk about the, the, the 400 pound gorilla in the room. So, if you spent the last 15 years wondering when we might see another big bank failure like we saw in 2008, uh, well, wonder no more because that day was here a few days ago, and the Biden administration is ready to bail them out after the after the Democratic donors who make up their boards demanded that the federal government give them their support. So, how did that? How did all this happen? Most of us have never heard of Silicon Valley Bank until last week, although I did. Um, I have one of my borrowers who's, who's, uh, a a, uh, partner in a, in a, uh, investment firm that banks with Silicon Valley bank and he's making some pretty giant dollars and he's searching for a expensive house. And as, uh, I helped him buy his first house here in California, uh, he's dealing with me, but as we get closer, he's going, Hey, Silicon Valley bank, because of our company's, uh, assets there, they're offering me this, this rate that was like about 3 quarters of a point below where anybody else is and i'm going are you sure he goes well there i said cuz cuz nobody on the market is that low he goes well they're 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 doing it because of our deposit relationship and i'm going i have all your bank ex- bank bank account statements and you don't deposit there but their company does so uh so as he's writing an offer last weekend i'm going well, I know that he's he's asked me for all the all the pre approvals, but um I have to compete with Silicon Valley Bank. And I just go, hey, just you might want to I'm not sure if you have got this on the screen, but it looks like Silicon Valley Bank stock went from uh from about three hundred dollars a share down to about hundred dollars a share in the last three days. So don't count on don't count on that rate being there when it's time to close. So, you know, let's be a little, let's take a, take all this, all this, uh, competitive stuff that they're putting out there with a grain of salt, cause they're way below market in, um, I just don't know if Silicon Valley bank is going to survive based on how fast their stock went down. So keep that in mind as you're watching everybody else. So, uh, so since, so in this lender is serving the tech industry since 1983, Holding 210 billion dollars in assets and growing to be the 60, 16th largest bank in America, with 17 branches in California and Massachusetts, um, it provided financing for almost half of American venture-backed technology and healthcare companies. So all these uh, all these new companies coming out, they got these new apps, they got these new uh, new investment strategies. They're investing in in uh, in. Uh, uh, crypto or whatever the newest lending thing is and uh, they go to silicon valley bank uh to to uh get their money so things were things were smooth sailing when the bank invested their depositors funds in long-term bonds and mortgage-backed securities while interest rates were low but when the fed raised interest rates last year in response to inflation three things happened the value of those long-term bonds eroded, tanking the investments of SV, SVB depositors. So, in other words, they they uh, they are investing in in uh, long-term bonds and mortgages in the two and three percent range. So, and think of this like a certificate of deposit. You you tie up your money in the certificate of deposit, so you got your money in the bank when they're not paying anything and you, you tied up your money on a one-year one year certificate of deposit or a two-year or a five-year, and so you're getting a, a percent and a half because that was probably the best you could get a year ago at the bank. But now, now you're seeing four, 4% out there in savings accounts, and you're saying, man, I want to move my money, but I'm going to lose money if I pull the money out before the, before the deadline. So your money's tied up. The new interest rates are higher than that, the money that you're the bar- and in the case of the bank, they're borrowing money at higher rates than what they're getting on the on the money they've got tied up, and it's a losing it's a losing uh, equation there. Borrow rate, borrowing rates went up, when uh, which drained the momentum of the tech stocks that benefited the bank. So these uh, uh, these companies that were the companies that were uh, getting money from SVB. Um, SVB stopped getting money from hedge funds, um, because the venture venture capital dried up and now they have to start using their own money. So the venture capital began drying up, forcing startups to draw down their funds held by the bank. Um, and as long as, so as long as the venture capital, uh, hedge funds are not giving money to the bank, the bank doesn't have money to lend out and the money they have is tied up in low interest and the fed is raising the interest rates. Faster and faster and faster, and nobody has time to adjust to this. So, think about this: Had when inflation started going up, the Federal Reserve should have started raising rates really slow. You know, when you start when when Biden gets into office, he turns off all the oil production, gas prices go up, gas prices affect your budget. They affect the budget of the of all the companies that ship their uh, their their uh, their goods to to uh, to the market. So manufacturers are making cereal. They're cutting crops. They're manufacturing products, and they stick them on trucks and they stick them on trains to get them to market. And the cost of that fuel affected everybody, and and shortly thereafter it affected our prices at the stores. It affects the the price at the gas pump. It affects the price of everything. It affects the uh, you know what it costs what it costs to run businesses and it costs and what it costs to run our households. Um, I've mentioned this before, but we saw our utility bills go up, our natural gas bills specifically in this cold winter, um, gone up tenfold for a lot of people. So, it's affecting everybody, and of course, everybody needs more money for that. And but the bank doesn't have it. And their money's tied up in, in low interest bonds and they have to, and then when they're borrowing it, they're borrowing it at a a higher rate. So, Hey, I'm borrowing money. So typically how a bank works, they get your deposits, they pay you, uh, 0.000000 interest on it, but they're lending it out in credit cards at 18%. They're lending it out in car loans at 5%. They're lending it to other businesses at 5%. Now They've got to, and they've got some of their money tied up in, in, uh, in long-term bonds, but now the bonds are at 2% they're lent and, and they're not able to, and they're borrowing money at 5%. I'm trying to oversimplify this so you can see what's happening there. You know, you, you want to, you want to buy low and sell high, but now they're buying high and selling low. And as long as they're not, as long as they're, nobody's pulling out their money, it's okay. It's just a, it's just a, uh, it's a, a paper loss. It's not a real loss. But then all of a sudden, everybody starts wanting to pull their money out. Now they have to recognize the loss, and their stocks, their stock prices start going low. So let me, uh, let me go back to my script, um, and and see if it's any clearer. Uh, as a result, stakeholders like venture capital investors and startup founders started panicking, pulling their money out of SVB and telling companies they did business with to do the same, communicating in in private groups on WhatsApp and Slack. It was a perfect storm that stripped the bank of solvency uh, in a matter of days. Last Wednesday, on March 8th, SVB announced it had sold $21 billion worth of securities at a $1.8 billion after-tax loss, which means that's probably about a $2.5 billion Pre-tax loss, and that it's urgently needing to raise two and a quarter billion dollars, uh, dollars to stay solvent for its account holders. So again, it uh, it loses all this money because they have to liquidate. They have to liquidate, so they have to show these losses. It's kind of like, kind of like in two thousand eight. If you bought a house at four hundred thousand, and you put and you put a, a zero down, you bought a hundred percent financing in two thousand eight and uh and you have a four hundred thousand dollar house that you paid that you owe four hundred thousand dollars on, and the value of the house drops down to two hundred thousand it's still your house it's still your house you're paying mortgage on it it's just not it's just not worth what you owe on it well that's a that's a loss on paper, but you don't recognize it until you sell the house so as long as you what I was doing in 2008 telling you guys, Hey, your house is worth 200,000, but you owe 400,000. Don't mess up your credit. It's still your house. Keep making your payments, assuming that you can keep making your payments. And instead take advantage of everybody else losing, losing their houses and buy some rental houses at a hundred thousand. And when your house goes back up to 400,000, your $100,000 rental houses will go up to 300,000 and, all of a sudden, you've got nine rental houses, you've got a $1.8 million in assets, and now you're a millionaire. And meanwhile, you're you're making $500 a month positive cash flow on the house uh, every month. So, so consider that. You know, it's a paper loss until you have to sell it. So, if you didn't sell your house, you didn't didn't lose that. But they didn't have to sell the bonds until everybody wanted to pull out their money. So, all of a sudden, now it's not a loan, no longer a paper loss. It's a real loss and as and as uh, some of these venture capital venture capitalists are pulling their money out, they're telling all their friends that also do business with SVB, "Hey, beware, you should pull your money out of this bank. They're gonna get hit. And of course, what's different from SVB to some of the bigger banks? One little thing, one little thing, but realize all the bank, all the banks are kind of in the same situation. Um, but, it was worse for SVB and Signature Bank because they have all these all these uh, investors. 97% of all their all their account holders had more than $250,000 in them. They don't have people with $10,000 in savings and uh, $2,000 in their checking account there because those people aren't paying as close of attention to this, and they can't really afford to 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 change course. So that's you know Wells Fargo, Bank of America, Citibank, Chase. That's how their accounts. Are set up. The majority of of their account holders are people under under two hundred fifty thousand. Hey, I'm I'm insured, so I'm not panicking. I'm not pulling my money out, um, and so they don't have a run on the bank at those banks. But SVB, on the other hand, they were they were big business, big business account holders, big venture capitalists, big big uh, investors that are savvy and that have a lot more to protect, and they made a move on the bank that killed it. The market reacted sharply, and SVB lost over $160 billion in value in 24 hours. SVB stock tanked 60% and led to a loss of more than $80 billion in, in bank shares globally. So, uh, like I said, I noticed that on you know, over, over, over last week, like between Wednesday and Friday, it went from $300 a, a share to $100 a share. And I just said, hey, keep an eye on this. Keep an eye on this because I wouldn't count on SVB making good on that uh on that commitment to that lower rate that uh nobody else has as the word starts spreading publicly on now now it's not just on whatsapp it's on twitter more account holders move quickly to withdraw their money from from silicon valley bank the domino effect was was what's known as a run on the bank everybody's trying to get their money out so i mentioned i, I i've mentioned if you've read my book i mentioned the uh, Robert Kiyosaki's book, rich dad's prophecy. So in there, rich dad, rich dad, his, which is his buddy, Mike's dad, that was giving, uh, both, uh, Robert and Mike, his friend, Mike, uh, advice on how to think about money. Um, he talked about, uh, ERISA uh, the ERISA, the employee retirement investment securities act, um, that came out in the seventies and how they were having people invest in stocks for their retirement but they wouldn't give you investment advice. And they said, hey, when in 2016, when the baby boomers start turning 70 and you start having to pull your money out, because when you've got money in in your retirement accounts, by the time you hit 70 and a half, you start having to pull four or 5% per year out systematic. And that it's a bunch of small small, uh, withdrawals, but because the baby boomers, Uh, We're hitting 70. There's so many of them that you're going to start seeing money coming out of the stock market and you're going to see the stock market start to slow down, start to drop and everybody else stacked up behind them is going to panic, which is, which didn't actually happen because in 2016, we had something else happen. Trump got elected and all of a sudden the stock market went crazy because they, because we had a business friendly person in the White House. So this is very similar to that. So instead of uh, tons of baby boomers hitting retirement, seeing the stock market starting to go down. You've got a ton of, of speculative investors that have their have their investment money in in Silicon Valley Bank, and they're all talking to each other. They're all in the same groups on Facebook, and the same groups on on uh, WhatsApp, and the and the same groups in Twitter, and they're and they're communicating with each other, saying, "Hey, heads up! Silicon Valley Bank's in trouble. Pull your money out." which made the domino effect the run on the bank, and that's that's mostly what happened. Since the banks only carry a portion of their depositors' money in cash, called a fractional reserve, the rest was held in long-term bond investments that were no longer worth, worth much. SVB couldn't give the account holders their money. So last Friday on March 10th, Silicon Valley Bank was closed by California Department of, of Financial Protection. The regulator appointed, to, uh, appointed the FDIC, as the receiver and the FDIC created a bridge bank transfer for all insured depositors, uh all insured deposits of account holders, uninsured depositors, which was 97% of them, anything over 250,000, would get an advanced dividend and a receivership certificate for their uninsured funds. So hey, you're not getting you're not getting your funds out, but when this When this, uh, bank goes into receivership, you get a certificate. So you get your funds first before, before some of the other creditors. Now we keep hearing from Biden administration that this isn't a bank bailout. Listen to what they've, what they've promised and decide for yourself. Um, on Sunday, March 12th, the federal reserve, the treasury department and the FDIC bowed to stakeholders pressure by announcing they would guarantee that all depositors in Silicon Valley bank and signature bank would be repaid in full. So if people uh so if people about about to lose money are people that donate to the Democrat party we can't let them lose their money because we'll lose our investors. So what are we t- what are we to do? So all of a sudden they stepped up. The Fed also announced it would offer bank banks loans against their treasuries and offer asset holdings treating those securities as though they were worth the original value even though the market value on these bonds are now completely eroded. So in other words, hey, we're going to make sure that you look good on paper, even though you're losing money. And the cherry on top, the FDIC was offered 8,500 employees of Silicon Valley Bank an additional 45 days of employment. Why? Your company just went out of business. So since the federal government's taken it over, we're just going to give these people money for 45 more days. Why? Why? When a company goes is going out of business or when, think about uh, all these tech stocks that laid off so many people. Uh, Google laid off tons of people. Meta, the parent company for Facebook, uh, they, they laid off like 10,000 people a couple of months ago. They laid off 10,000 more um, this week. And those people don't get 45 more days. When the company finally figures out that, hey, we're losing money, we got to lay some people off, they get laid off. Go stand in line at the unemployment department. So this sounds like a bailout to me. Here's Biden's victory lap on Monday when he assured America that this won't happen to other banks throughout the country and claiming that the taxpayers won't be on the hook for this bailout.
0: Today, thanks to the quick action of my administration over the past few days, Americans can have confidence that the banking system is safe. Your deposits will be there when you need them. Small businesses across the country, the deposit accounts that these banks can breathe easier in knowing they'll be able to pay their workers and pay their bills. Let me also assure you, we will not stop at this. We'll do whatever is needed. No losses will be borne by the taxpayers. Instead, the money will come from the fees that banks pay into the deposit insurance fund.
1: Yeah, I got lots of comments on that on that uh, on that clip. But I'm all out of time for this half of the uh, half of the main event. So stay tuned for five minutes, traffic, weather and commercials and sports. And we'll be right back with I think I'll replay this clip and we'll revisit all all of what Biden just said. back to part two of the main event my name is ed hoffman with united american mortgage i don't uh talk about mortgages and uh and finance very much on the radio well today i'm talking about banking um but if you're interested in getting in and getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate you need financing call me toll free at 855-640-2020 that's 855-640-2020 or go to edhoffman.net Click on the United American Mortgage logo. Whether that's uh, whether you need help with uh, purchasing a piece of property you'd like to own, or uh, refinancing a piece of property you already own, or looking into one of them reverse mortgage things, eight five five six four zero twenty twenty, or uh or edhoffman.net, Click on United American Mortgage logo. So uh, before the break, we've been talking about the bank, the bank collapse of of uh, Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank, um, in addition to uh, a third bank which is a uh, Swiss bank credit Swiss. So before the uh, break, I played this clip, uh, Joe Biden trying to sound like he's saving the day.
0: Today, thanks to the quick action of my administration over the past few days, Americans can have confidence that the banking system is safe. Your deposits will be there when you need them. Small businesses across the country, the deposit accounts at these banks can breathe easier in knowing they'll be able to pay their workers and pay their bills. Let me also assure you, we will not stop at this. We'll do whatever is needed. No losses will be borne by the taxpayers. Instead, the money will come from the fees that banks pay into the deposit insurance fund.
1: Hey, you know, uh, one little piece of, uh, piece of uh, fact that popped into my head um, earlier, earlier today while I was reviewing my notes. You know, Joe Biden ran for president uh, in 1988 and 2008 and uh and the reason that he never got any traction was because people know he's a liar. If you know when you know when you know when uh when uh, Joe Biden is lying is when his lips are moving. So um and he, and nothing's changed. I quite frankly I don't know how all the democrats got behind Joe Biden uh in 2020. So uh so he's lying. So when he says that this is all going to be this is not going to come from the taxpayers, it's going to come from the fees that banks pay to the FDIC for the insurance fund. Where do the the banks get the money to pay those fees? Hmm. From the fees that we pay the banks to have our bank accounts there and the fees that they charge us on credit cards and the fees they charge us on on, uh, car loans and the fees that they charge us on mortgages. And so do you think this is not going to be borne by the... uh, by the taxpayers. Hey, we didn't raise tax, but we cut off oil production. So we're not raising taxes. We're just cutting off oil production. And, uh, and what did that do to the, uh, to the citizens? Price of our gas went up. Price of our food went up. Price of our utilities went up. Everything went up, but that's not a tax. He just screwed our, uh, our cost of living. And, uh, now we can't, now we can't afford things. There's no difference than no difference in that in just raising taxes. Oh, yeah. But but in that case, if he just raises taxes, only half the people have to pay it. But when he does it, when he does, it affects everybody. So if you have a bank account, you can be assured that you're paying for this. Um, And, you know, and that's not the full story. That's not the full story. So from the Wall Street Journal, the FDIC's deposit insurance fund normally guarantees up to two hundred fifty thousand dollars in deposits which protects small retail customers. Banks pay for this guarantee with insurance premiums, but the insurance fund is not intended to backstop deposits of bigger, bigger customers with more capacity to weather losses. If the bank goes under. So guys with a million dollars in the bank can afford, can afford to, can more afford to take losses if they don't get all their money out for some reason. But the guys that got uh 10,000 in savings and 2000 in checking um, it wipes them out. So we have the FDIC to insure the two hundred and fifty thousand. If you've got more than that, you spread it out among amongst more banks or you realize you're taking a risk. And that's part of the part of the uh part of the part of the game when you're when you're when you're rich. Um yet another yet after venture capitalists, also known as Democrat Democratic Donors, and Silicon Valley politicians howled the FDIC announced it would cover uninsured deposits at SVP and Signature Bank under its systematic risk exception. In other words, the Biden administration has decided that these two banks somehow are too big to fail. Why are they too big to fail? Because the people that have their money in there donate to the Democratic Party. The article goes on to explain how guaranteeing the the risk-free return on the uninsured deposits will cost up to $15 billion. It concludes, bank customers with less than $250,000 in deposits will indirectly pay for this through higher bank fees. Basically what I just said. In other words, this is an income transfer from the average Americans to deep-pocketed investors, also known as Democrat voters. So realize that, hey, the taxpayers won't pay this. is just a line. It's just a line of BS. It has nothing to do with reality. Here's Kevin O'Leary's... Kevin O'Leary, also known as Mr. Wonderful, from ABC's Shark Tank, with an analogy that makes it simple.
0: So just think about it. I'd like to keep this very simple. I'm a bank manager in a bank today after this new policy decision, and I get compensated on the value of my bank's stock. You just told me I could take all the depositors' money, go to Las Vegas, put it on red. Maybe I double it. Maybe I lose it all. But it doesn't matter to me. Because you, the taxpayer, and the government guarantee all my depositors. As long as I play by the rules that we have now and the football rules of banking, I get to go crazy.
1: Exactly. So, you know what, uh, millionaires, millionaires, um, I guess I guess, being one of those guys with high assets, I guess I should be making the, uh, donations to the Democrat Party uh, because then I know they'll protect me if I ever lose money. Um, the problem is that most of us conservatives, we don't speculate. We don't make investments like that. We earned our money the the, the old-fashioned way. We earned it, and we we made uh, conservative investments that paid off at some point. We're not looking to get rich quick, and we value we value money. And so, because of that, we're more conservative about where we put our money, and we don't donate to the Democrat Party. We don't put guys like Biden in office, and we don't put put people like Eric Swallowwell or uh, Nancy Pelosi. We don't put people that that just squander our tax dollars because we pay taxes. We make sure that we want people like Trump in there that treats our tax fund like it's his own fund. say so, hey, you know what uh first thing he got in there is he canceled the uh canceled the the order that Obama or Bush put in. For, uh, for the new Air Force One and said, wait, 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 Lockheed. I think Lockheed built it or Boeing said, hey, why are we paying so much for this for this airplane? Why are we paying so much for this? Why are we giving money to these countries? And why are we uh, participating in this big uh, trade de- trade dis- uh, deficit with China and all these other company- countries? This isn't fair. And he treated our tax fund our in our in our economy like it's part of his company. Which is, how, which is what I think the president is supposed to do. So uh, remember, all SVP employees, SVB employees, are not high and dry. They're getting an additional 45 days of employment out of this deal. And who's paying for that? Well, not the taxpayers. Well, I guess the taxpayers are paying it. Uh, they also received their annual bonuses on March 10th, just hours before the bank was seized. Those bonuses reportedly range from $12,000 to $140,000, depending on what position you had. An anonymous SVB spokesman told CNBC that the bank has historically paid employees bonuses on the second Friday of March. And this time, it just happened to fall on the day, uh, day before the government took over the bank. So let's think about this. You give annual bonuses to your employees as a portion of your profits when you're not making a profit. And of course the interest rate started going up one year ago. The fed started raising. We just passed the one year mark this past week since the fed started raising interest rates one year before one year after they should have started raising them slowly. They raised them fast. The bank, the banking, uh, the head of the bank, of course, these people weren't really bankers. Um, but the, Ahead of the heads of the banks knew they were losing money, may have been on paper, or maybe it wasn't. Maybe it wasn't something that showed up on paper, but they knew their bank was losing money. So they should have known there weren't any profits, and they shouldn't. And they should have said, "Hey, we're not giving out bonuses this year because we're losing money, and that'll change next year when the when the rates come down." So with that in mind, despite how quickly this all happened, there are signs that executives saw it coming and took steps to protect themselves personally. According to the SEC filing, Silicon Valley Valley Bank CEO Greg Becker sold $3.6 million worth of his SVB stocks on February 27th. CNBC reports that the chief financial officer, uh, Daniel Beck, and the chief marketing officer, Michelle Draper, also sold their Silicon Valley Bank shares as well. So you you see this coming. You know the bank's in trouble but you still paid all these bonuses out to 8,500 employees, which range from 12,000. So if it was just 12,000, let's say it was 10,000 per employee, which it was higher than that. That's uh 8,500 times 10,000. So that's 8,500. That's eight and a half million. That's like a uh, eight and a half billion dollars. It's a big number. It's a big number. I didn't do my, I didn't do my uh, math before I, uh, before I started recording, so we'll just leave it at that. They saw it coming. They know the bank's in trouble. Let's pay our employees. Let's not worry about our depositors. Let's not worry about our stockholders. Let's pay our employees. That's a bunch of BS. So while we're talking about BS, let's talk about what kind of excuses they're making. The timing of Biden's announcement early Monday morning makes you wonder, why is this so important to get out there, follow... And we'll follow the money. Since So since 2016, employees and various political action committees affiliated with Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank, in addition to a third institution that's currently on the verge of collapse, uh, the Swiss bank, Credit Suisse, donated nearly $1.2 million to the Democrats, according to OpenSecrets.com. All three banks spent big to defeat uh, Trump in 2020, collectively giving almost $200,000 to the Biden campaign compared to less than $18,000. So these employees, given their little little deposits, they gave, over two, they gave almost $200,000 to Biden and the few uh, conservatives that that donated to Trump, less than $18,000. Bucks. These banks have donated almost 90, $90,000 to the DNC, and tens of thousands to the campaigns of Democrats like Chuck Schumer, Joe Manchin, Mark Warner of Virginia, John Tester of Montana, and Mark Kelly of Arizona. Silicon Valley Bank's board of directors also included Hillary Clinton mega-donor Kate Mitchell. She's the one we keep hearing about that had to go to pray to the Shinto Shrine when Trump was elected. Napa Valley vineyard mogul and loyal Nancy Pelosi donor Garen Staglin and Obama's Undersecretary for Domestic Finance, Mary J. Miller, who helped to implement the Dodd-Frank, during, the Dodd-Frank law during the, her time in the administration. In fact, there are very few actual bankers on the board of Silicon Valley Bank. So now we know why the president pulled himself out of bed early on Monday to make this announcement. Take it from uh, his former press secretary, Circleback Saki. This is not normal behavior for Joe Biden. It's important to note President Biden does nothing at 9 a.m. He is a night owl. So the fact that he is doing this at 9 a.m. anyway speaks to how uh, vital the White House recognizes it is for him to have his voice out there conveying that to the American public. So circle Back Saki thinks she's, uh, she's boosting up, uh, making uh, Biden look good. But those of us logically thinking people Uh, hear that say hey he's he's a night owl so uh, so he's awake when everyone else has gone home there's nothing to do but eat chocolate chip ice cream and watch late night tv so uh, so he doesn't get up early to get at it while everybody else is working as for signature bank who sat on their board there's only one name we need to know former congressman barney frank so here he is in 2005 let's see if you remember this But those who argue that
2: housing prices are now at the point of a bubble seem to me to be missing a very important point. Unlike previous examples we have had, where substantial excessive inflation of prices later caused some problems, we are talking here about an entity, Home Ownership Homes, where there is not the degree of leverage that we have seen elsewhere. This is not the dot-com situation. We have problems with people having invested in business plans for which there was no reality, the people building fiber optic cable for which there was no need. Homes that are occupied may see an ebb and flow in the price at a certain percentage level, but you're not going to see the collapse that you see when people talk about a bubble.
1: Yeah, because there's not the degree of leverage as in the dot-coms as there, were, as there are in houses. Except for, remember back then, we were people were buying houses with nothing down. So the degree of leverage, there was no leverage on the, uh, on the side of the homeowners. Homeowners were going in with, with uh, no skin in the game. All the, all the uh, leverage was coming in from the banks. And since the banks uh, made money so easy to get, they drove up the price of the, of the houses... So it was exactly like the dot-com bubble because the banks were putting up all the money and they were creating the environment that the prices of houses were going were skyrocketing. Just like when the government makes guaranteed student loans available, they drove up the price of university. And so when we see all these people stuck with these student loans and we want to put it on the taxpayers, you should go back to the universities and get all that money back. And uh, And in this case... Uh, He's saying, hey, we don't have the same thing as the stock, as the dot-com bubble. We had exactly the same thing as the dot-com bubble. Here's another another, uh, little uh, comment from Barney Frank and uh, his brilliant insights. This one is from three years later in 2008.
2: Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are two of the very important tools that we have. And there are people I know who are critical of the arrangements that we have. I think it is clear that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are sufficiently secure, so they are in no great danger. For so once, Congress is getting out ahead of, of a problem.
1: Yeah, so Fannie Mae and, Fre- and Freddie Mac are sufficiently secure. We don't have to worry about them because they're, they're, they're uh, sufficiently secure. Sounds to me kind of like something we heard earlier from the president.
0: Americans can have confidence that the banking system is safe.
1: Yeah, and you can take that with a... With a grain of salt as well, the circumstance uh, is basically the same for all the banks, uh, with the exception of Silicon Valley and Signature Bank, um, is a little bit, a little bit more because you because of the ki- type of people that had their their money there. But take that all with a grain of salt and don't listen to the BS that Biden's putting out there, or uh, or or Janet Yellen who can't even figure out she ought, ought, she's smarter than this. But she's too old to, to stand up to, uh, to Joe Biden. And so whatever the Biden administration tells her to tell the, tell the American people, she'll say. And by now, we've all heard Biden blaming Trump, who's been out of office for two years, for the collapse of these banks, somehow connecting it to Trump scaling back portions of the Dodd-Frank law in 2018.
0: During the Obama-Biden administration, we put in place tough requirements on banks like Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank including the Dodd-Frank law to make sure that the crisis we saw in 2008 would not happen again. Unfortunately, the last administration rolled back some of these requirements.
1: Yeah, they, they uh, rolled back some of the requirements um, as they should have, because Dodd-Frank was an overreach that, that created, I'll tell you that for mortgage companies, I owned wholesale capital and The last piece of Dodd-Frank that got implemented for mortgage companies was was TRID, the TILA-RESPA integrated disclosure, uh, which caused us to have to add about a million dollars a year to my small company, uh, a million dollars a year in overhead for a disclosure department and a a compliance department and extra software. And it cost me an extra million dollars a year. And uh, after a few years of that, I just said, "Okay, this doesn't make any sense anymore. And that's what Dodd-Frank did. So in 2018, Trump eased it off a little bit, had nothing to do with this bank failure. This all had to do with with not moving fast enough. Number one, cutting off energy energy production, which affected all these industries and all the prices uh, and uh, the started inflation. Inflation caused the the Fed to start start uh, increasing rates. And the Fed waited a year because they were telling us it was transitory. I think this is transitory. We don't have to worry about inflation coming up. I think this is transitory. So they didn't start a year earlier and start it slowly. You know, a quarter point here and a quarter point there. And let's start, off, let's start slowing things down a little bit uh, while this is happening. And then when they started raising it, they had to raise them so fast that it put banks in trouble they couldn't react to it fast enough. This is all a result of Joe Biden and Joe Biden's policies. And, you know, the Democrat, the whole Democrat plan to uh, to rid us of of anything that that affects climate change and then don't admit that we're that we cause problems and don't don't turn them around. This is all on Biden. So anyway, let's, uh, let's go. I got a few minutes left. Let's talk about the new Tony Fauci. As you know, Lord God, Tony Fauci is retired now, but that's not stopping him from intervening in a medical emergency. That's right. Tony Fauci saved someone's life. Eh, or did he? From TMZ. TMZ said, Dr. Fauci, woman collapses. Is, is there a doctor in the house? Dr. Fauci to the rescue. Dr. Fauci helped save the day for some woman who went down during a fancy dinner in D.C., and someone caught part of it part of the action on camera. The nation's most prominent doctor was one of the bigwigs at the black tie gridiron dinner Saturday. Why was he there? This is a thing for politicians and uh, journalists. At some point, a lady in the crowd collapsed, injuring herself from the fall. Speechwriter Chandler Dean detailed the scary incident on Twitter. He writes: Last night at the gridiron dinner in D.C., a woman collapsed hit her head on the table, and was laying on the floor without moving. People gathered trying to help, but no one was sure what to do. Someone goes, find a doctor, and they found one. That man would be Tony Fauci himself, who's pictured crouching down in his tux, attending to the woman in need. Uh, It's not quite clear what, what exactly he did to treat her, but he was certainly by her side, and it sounds like she was all right in the end. Then Chandler Dean tweeted a picture of Fauci talking to the woman, and it appears he gave her zero medical attention, but the people on Twitter ate it up. Yeah, you know what? Maybe he uh, maybe he needed something to to uh, make his, uh, his image better, so he paid her to save her. And that's just one of my theories because of that clip I used at the beginning of the show. So Lord God, Tony Fauci's hardly acting retired, going to the Gridiron dinner and showing up on our TVs once again. On Sunday... He was on CNN newsroom with Jim Acosta to chime in on what we learned a few weeks ago that much of the intelligence community supported the lab leak theory back in 2020. And when when we were told they didn't, hmm, what's changed here? Mr. I am the science is all chilled out now saying that when it comes to the origins of COVID, we should just keep an open mind.
3: I must say that we all must keep an open mind, Jim, about this for sure, because nothing has been definitively proven the thing that's important is that if you look at the available data, not just surmising or tweeting or guessing, but just look at the data, a group, a fairly large group of very well respected evolutionary virologists, have examined the epidemiological, virological, geospatial data from Wuhan and have come to the conclusion that it is much more likely that it is a natural occurrence from an animal to a human. However, Since it hasn't been definitively proven, we've got to keep a completely open mind. We really need to get all the facts so that we can prevent this from happening again in the future.
1: Yeah, Fauci then said that if the lab leak was real, there's a new way it could have happened. Try to make sense of this new theory.
0: You said you're open to the uh, evidence wherever it goes. Has your thinking on this evolved at all? Did you start off as, oh no, it's, it's definitely natural causes, and now you're thinking, well, maybe it might be a lab leak?
3: You know, Jim, I've kept an open mind
0: throughout the
3: entire process. A lab leak could be that someone was out in the wild, maybe looking for different types of viruses and bats, got infected, went into a lab, and was being studied in a lab, and then it came out of the lab. But if that's the definition of a lab leak, Jim, then that still is a natural occurrence. The other possibility is someone takes a virus from the environment that doesn't actually spread very well in humans and manipulates it a bit and accidentally it escapes or accidentally infects someone and then you get an outbreak. Those are the possibilities when you're talking about lab leaks but are
0: are there any accounts of that occurring where one might say okay well there there we go perhaps this is it this is what happened
1: no yeah in other words uh uh it could happen yeah and monkeys might fly out of my butt so uh anyway there's lots more i could say but i'm all out of time for this episode of the main event so People, keep your eyes open, keep your mind working, and uh, key, and just be aware of what's going on out there. There's a lots of uh, there's probably probably some grim stuff on the horizon. Uh, be careful. Anyway, uh, my name's Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening to the Main Event, and I'll be back again with lots more next week.